Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. So this morning, after that telling off, um, this film made me do it, you see. <laughs> Isn't it awful? You said, Dave, you do this this week. That's good. Thank you, work. Thank you, thank you. This morning, let's, let's lift our spirits a little bit after all of that, and uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 again, if you have Bibles with you. Um, you know what we've been doing again over the last uh, number of weeks, so while Prior to Christmas, we looked at the ways of Jesus, uh, and uh, we, we looked about how Jesus uh, demonstrated the ways of the kingdom. This morning, we're just going to continue to look at some of the, the teachings and the truth of Jesus. And, uh, and as a reminder, we've particularly been um, in the parables the last number of weeks, looking at the teachings of Christ. I, I was teaching on, on one of the parables uh, a couple of Sundays ago, and one of the things that I pointed out at that stage is wanted to remind us again this morning as we start into this, is that we can so easily misunderstand the parables. Sometimes we can just um, see them as just lovely, simple stories that Jesus is simplifying things to make it more accessible, which in a way he, he was, but w- w- one of the things we noted at that stage was that Jesus, uh, this, was a, this, this is how we can understand them, Jesus was a metaphorical theologian. Jesus taught in metaphor. He taught in story. It was more than just a story to illustrate the theology that he was, he was trying to teach. The story itself was theology. The story itself was pure teaching. And so this morning, as we, as we go to look, and even though where we've been over the last number of weeks, this morning as we go to look at the parable, I don't, I don't want us to almost just see it again. It's just a lovely, simple story. But we want to lift our eyes to be able to see what is the depth that Jesus is trying to unpack to us this morning. And obviously, we pray, Holy Spirit, help us with that. We, we need your help. Because the main focus, the reason why Jesus was going into the depth of his teaching in this was because what Jesus was almost trying to lift the lid on was around the topic of the kingdom of heaven. He, he wanted this to be clear to people. He wanted to have an understanding of what the kingdom of heaven was all about. He, 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 was, he was clear that he wanted to paint a picture of this. And, and the reality is, for, for many of us in the room, this is probably just what I wanted to do before we go into this morning's uh, teach, which is going to be quite short. We've got plenty of time this morning. And so what I would love at the end is we're going to leave plenty of time for response uh, and worship at the end as well. I think Lee and the guys have got, maybe got one or two songs for the end too. But what, all I really wanted to do just for the first five minutes, I, I recognize this, that even in this room, there are people who are new, new to faith. There are people who have been on the journey of faith for quite a while, but throughout the room, there's maybe just a different understanding, perhaps even around what this phrase even means, the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is why Jesus was coming to almost try to reveal it while he had came and revealed it, not just in his ways, the ways of the kingdom. What he's doing in the teaching and through the likes of the parables is that he's almost trying to expound and to articulate what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Because the reality is we need to see and recognize and understand that while heaven is a place where God resides, the kingdom of heaven is something which is significantly different for us to understand in terms of, of what we mean. One of the books which I loved reading years ago was by a guy called Vaughn Roberts, God's Big Picture. And in it, he gives a definition and an understanding of the kingdom of heaven as this. The kingdom of heaven is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. 
I said it again, the kingdom of heaven is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. If I was to put it a slightly different way, what we're saying is that God is king, Jesus is king. And for us as his people, what we do is that we place and we position ourselves under his rule. That This is where we we get to realize that the kingdom of heaven is not necessarily talking about a place. It's a reality for us to live into every day. It's a reality for us to experience every day that for us as the people of God, as we, if God is king and is above all, for us as his people, as we submit ourselves to his way, as we submit ourselves to our rule, what we get to experience at that point is the fullness of all that God has intended for us. This is what it means to live into the kingdom of heaven. It's a reality. It's a state. It's a posture of our hearts and our minds every day. This is why it is something for us to seek out. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not just about trying to get a ticket to heaven. It's a state that we live into each and every day. Jesus obviously teaches lots and lots on this, but this is what he wants to lift our eyes to this morning. There's something for us to press into, the fullness of all that God has for us in our lives. And the beautiful thing was that this this was the original creation mandate that was given. The kingdom of heaven, when God created at the very beginning, and God looked at all that he had made at the end of each of the days of creation, and God looked around, what did I say? God looked at it and said, this was good. (laughs) The reason why he saw it was good was because the earth was alive, and the earth was alive in the things of the kingdom of heaven. Everything about the earth was living fully into the kingdom of heaven. We were the people of God submitted to him and his rules. So for example, back in the Garden of Eden, when the kingdom of heaven first was instilled, here's what we need to understand. God's people lived in fellowship with him in his creation, obeying him and enjoying his blessing. Humanity got to experience the kingdom of heaven. All of creation got to experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. It was an everyday reality that was lived into. And the truth is, and you know this, maybe for some people in the room in case you don't, but the reality is is that there was an enemy that was out to oppose everything of the kingdom of heaven. I think one of the things that this morning I want to do is almost to elevate uh, our minds and our understanding about the significance of the kingdom of heaven in our lives. But one of the things we need to almost raise our minds to as well is the fact that there is an enemy who is out to steal and destroy everything that the kingdom of heaven wants to release in your life. And he's doing that in subtle ways. That's why at the end we're going to leave plenty of time for us to examine our own hearts because the enemy really wants to come in and to derail and to divert and to take you away from the fullness of what God has. We read this in Revelations. This is a story about how Lucifer was an angel who was in heaven. Lucifer was an angel that wanted to place himself above God. And what happened was that Lucifer and a third of the angels in heaven who who joined with his revolt were cast out. And this is what we read in Revelation. Sorry, it's a little bit smaller. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And he heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Satan was cast down, but Satan was adamant, and Satan is still adamant every day that he wants to wreck anything of God's kingdom, and instead to draw people to follow him 
and his purposes. And so this is why when we look at the parables we're going into today, it's important that we look actually that don't just isolate the parables, but look at the parables as a whole as Jesus teaches. So two weeks ago, uh, and even the, some of the parables that Phil was teaching about the parable of the sower, about how the birds can come down and can steal. Last time I was here, we looked about the parable of the weeds and the wheat. One of the things that we were recognizing at that stage, which Jesus was pointing out, was this truth, that there are two kingdoms that are at work. <laughs> there are two kingdoms that are at work in your life and seeking your attention of your life each and every day. Two kingdoms that are present. And here's the, here they are. It's the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, as it's sometimes referenced. And on the other side, we have the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of Satan. This is his kingdom. This is the truth and the reality of it. There's only two, two kingdoms in this world. Two kingdoms that are at work. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. And on the other side, we have the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of Satan. What happened was that at the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, and all of humanity... We lived and enjoyed the fullness of what it mean, meant to be part of the kingdom of heaven. We enjoyed fellowship with God. Because there was no sin in the world at that stage, we lived in right relationship with God, and we, we submitted ourselves to him and to his rule, and we just enjoyed the fullness of what it was. We lived fully into the kingdom of heaven. And this is where sometimes the story of the apple can so easily be downplayed. What happened at that point, it wasn't just about that Adam and Eve had had disobeyed in a way that they ate a piece of fruit. What actually happened was at that stage that they were saying no. They were saying a no to, to the kingdom of God. And what they were doing was they were stepping outside. So while they're under the kingdom of God and they're under his dominion and they're under his rule and under his authority and under his covering at this stage, what happened was that at that moment when they said no to the kingdom of God, they were saying a yes to the kingdom of darkness. And what happened was that they were now placing themselves and they were now placing all of humanity under the rule and under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. And this is the truth of what happens for all of us when we're born. We're born in this state and we're born in this condition. And yet this is what Jesus, we've just sang about it and, and worshipped about it this morning, came to reconcile and to redeem and to restore, was that it was God's heart, and this is what the rest of the Bible story, right from Genesis chapter 3, was all about. God's plan to redeem all things, because God's purpose was always for that kingdom that was initiated right back at the Garden of Eden. God's heart was for all of us to live into it. This is why Jesus would pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It was like, God, let us experience. He was saying, Father, let us experience just as it is in heaven. Let us experience it now. Jesus comes to redeem and to restore. It isn't just to ensure people will one day be in heaven, but it's a revealing of the original plans of the kingdom of heaven. I love what Brian Zahn says. He says, Jesus wasn't handing out tickets to heaven. He was rearranging the world around sacrificial love. He called it the kingdom of God. The reality is, because, because of our fallen state, um, we, as humanity, we, we live as part of a different kingdom. And Jesus in his life, so he showed us what the ways of the kingdom of heaven are like. So these are the ways that we have to learn, we have to step into, we have to make a choice to every day. And in his teachings, what he's doing is that he is making us, he's, he's desperate. He's desperate, not just for the people who are sitting listening to him at this stage, but he's desperate for all of us to be able to get, grasp an understanding about the kingdom of heaven. He was passionate. This morning, I just want us, as we look at this parable, to understand Jesus is passionate 
for you to grasp and understand what he wants to say about the kingdom of heaven. He's passionate about it. In fact, so passionate was Jesus and the disciples about the kingdom of heaven. Here's, here's some of the things we recognize. The kingdom of heaven in the New Testament was talked about 147 times. In Matthew's gospel alone, Jesus talks about it 56 times. He was desperate for people to grasp an understanding of the kingdom of heaven. And so as we start into this parable again this morning, this is simply our prayer. The reason why I wanted to say all of that for these first 10 minutes is this. Jesus, open our eyes. Jesus, open our ears. Jesus, open our hearts to understand what you're saying to us. Because there's something of significant value for you to grasp. There's something of truth for you to grasp. Each and every, with every time you read the Bible, but particularly just as we read these parables, what Jesus is trying to unfold about the kingdom of God, it's Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear what you're saying because there's something of worth for us this morning. And so with all of that, this is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus comes to present. This parable is really short this morning. There's two brief points that I have because the parable pretty much speaks for itself. And then we're just going to leave space for the Spirit to speak to us individually because we feel, obviously, all Scripture demands a response in our hearts. James says this, don't just be hearers of the words, but be doers of the words. But there's something in this parable this morning that actually causes us to stop and to reflect, and we're going to take time for that at the end. We're in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46, if you have Bibles with you. I, I have the, the NLT, the New Living Translation, on the screen. So let, let's, just, let's just read this as we go through, and then again, just two points. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Let, let's just read it one more time, can we? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Two parables were just putting together. And in this, what, what Jesus really simply, and firstly, just wants to just highlight what he was doing at this point, he just wanted to make it clear about the significance of the kingdom of heaven. The significance of the kingdom. You see, what can so easily happen, and this is why we're going to look even in the cultural understanding what Jesus is speaking into, what can so easily happen is, and this is why I wanted to start where we started, perhaps you've heard this phrase so, so many times. You've heard it talked about repeatedly. You've heard it talked about in prayers. You've heard it, and sometimes you can just almost grow like just cold and have an apathetic heart. You can become so familiar with hearing a term, and yet what Jesus wants to just reveal this morning is the deep, deep, deep significance of what the kingdom of heaven means for you in your life. So in this parable, there's, there's two pictures that are given uh, around this truth of the kingdom of heaven. And so here they are, two of them you see more in bold. Firstly, there's a treasure. And then in the next part, there's a pearl of great worth, right? And these two things. And, and these are things that just straight away for the people that are listening, they're just catching their attention. They're causing people to sit up because these are things that people were almost 
that does something within people's hearts and minds. Like, so you know, for, for example, yourself growing up, lots and lots of the stories and the cartoons and the movies, lots of it was around the desire to find treasure. <laughs> you, you saw that, so I know for my kids, some of their cartoons repeatedly, this is some of the stuff that's just talked about, you know, it's about Axe marks the spot, there's parts that go to do that. You see the books like Treasure Island, you see it in movies all the time. And the reality is, it's great, William, isn't it? The reality is, for all of us, the reason why sometimes this becomes almost like the narrative that they place within it is because within all of our hearts, with all of their minds, there's a narrative that actually there's a desire for something good in that way. There's also, he references pearls in this. Pearls were of significant worth and significant value. I read, particularly in Jesus' time, obviously there are other stones and other precious stones even today, which we could talk about. But around um, Jesus' time, this was some of the stones that were most significant value. I read this around 2006. A Filipino fisherman made an amazing discovery in the sea off the coast of the Philippines. A two-foot-long, here it is on the screen, he found a two-foot-long pearl inside a giant clam. That must have been some size of a clam. He took it home and hid it under his bed, keeping it as a good luck charm. Recently, his home burned down. It's awful, but the 75-pound pearl survived. Five officials in the Philippines, the pearl had been verified at 26 inches in length, 12 inches in width, and weighing in nearly 75 pounds, and it's valued at $100 million for this pearl, a pearl of great worth. You see, in Jesus' time, this was a stone that it was just like, it was just sought after, and so it just catching people's attention. Like, probably if you or maybe writing some more modern translations, you might be talking about things like diamonds because this is like people love diamonds. And they, here's some of like the values of some of the most expensive diamonds in the world. Look at the one down at the bottom. This one, the Cullion Diamond, up to $2 billion for a diamond alone. Stuff that is of significant worth and is of significant value. And this is what Jesus references the kingdom of heaven like. He uses two things that are both of huge value and of huge significance. Remember, all of this is placed around all of Jesus' teaching. Jesus, up to this point, has said that the kingdom of heaven was available to all people. And what he wants to do is he almost wants to elevate the significance of what the kingdom of heaven means to all people. And so this morning, this is for everyone in the room, for all people. Jesus has said this. What it is. Remember, he's already said that there are two kingdoms that are at work. But the reality is, and this is where we need to just firstly start at this point and at the finish, we're going to examine our own hearts. Because these two kingdoms, they both look different. How they play out in the life of an individual, they look totally different. How the kingdom of heaven, when it is alive and you're submitting yourself and you're living into the things of the kingdom of heaven, how it plays out in your life, it looks completely different to what happens in the kingdom of darkness. The reality is that the kingdom of darkness is so prevalent in culture and society today. It's like the spirit of the age that is just at work. It's in the lives of those who are part of the kingdom. And as we live within culture and society, one of the things that we so easily do, I don't know about you, but it's one of the things we can so easily do is that we can place our value and significance and worth in so many of the things the culture tell us are valuable. It just seems to be, it's like subliminal, subliminal advertising, I nearly get that word out, subliminal advertising. You know, like when you're just watching programs, there's just stuff that's just coming up repeatedly. And suddenly, because you've watched a, a, an advert about Coca-Cola, you're thinking to yourself, I really need a Coca-Cola. Or you see all these things, that are, and sometimes when we see these, there's suddenly within us, there's a value or a worth that are placed because everyone else says they're significant. 
And yet, what Jesus says is significant for us with the kingdom of heaven is crucial to grasp. What we sometimes fail to recognize is that there's a subtle spirit of deception that is at work in causing people to place value and significance in other things. What so easily happens is that so many good things can take the place of significance in our heart and mind and can so easily become an idol. Not always bad things, but sometimes just really simple good things can sometimes take away our gaze and our focus and our seeking first the kingdom of God, and sometimes our hearts just go to other things. And this is what Jesus is trying to call out, even in this part. The other significant thing to note is that Jesus is speaking to people that he grew up in culture with. He knew that their understanding and what their expectation of the kingdom of heaven was like. They believed that it was going to be something that when the Messiah come, it would be a political sense. But what Jesus really wanted for them to grasp, because they felt that the kingdom of heaven was about heaven that was to come. And while it is something that we will experience in the fullness when Jesus comes one day and redeems and restores all things, the reality is Jesus comes up with this beautiful message. Actually, the kingdom of heaven is to be experienced right now. The kingdom of heaven is to be experienced right now. And this is, this is one of the things that actually, so at the end we're going to be responding in a couple of different ways, but this is one of the things that can so easily, while, while the spur doesn't work in culture and society that is trying to draw people into almost to blind people's eyes and hearts and minds from, from Jesus and his kingdom, what can so easily happen within the church is this, is that there's a subtle spirit of deception that says that the kingdom of heaven isn't actually really something that you can really live into now. It's like, just, just pray your prayer, hope for the best, and one day God will make it all right when we get to heaven. And yet Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we as the church, how do we as the people of God intentionally live with a mindset and an understanding that God, I can live into your kingdom right now in my experience of my life. I can live into your kingdom in the relationships that I have. I can live into your kingdom as, as an employee in that workplace that I work in each and every day. I can live into your kingdom as I live out my relationship with my husband or my wife. I can live into your kingdom in the fullness right now and get to experience so much of your kingdom right now. But what we do is we settle. We settle. We don't seek first the kingdom of God right now. What we sometimes our minds and our our understanding of that is seek first, like have your hopes set on heaven. One day when you get there, it'll all be okay. But it's seek first the kingdom of God right now. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is lifting the lid on what the kingdom is all about. It's available for us. I love what Dallas Willard says here. All the preliminaries have been taken care of and the rule of God is accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable new opportunity. Review your plans for living. This is what Paul would call a renewed mind. It's like, start to think differently. <laughs> Review how you live your life. Review what you deem as valuable. Review what you deem as significant in your life. Because here's the thing, when Jesus and his kingdom has come into your life, suddenly everything changes. <laughs> everything changes. Suddenly, Having things for yourself and desiring things for yourself, it changes. Because Jesus turns up with a message saying it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
Jesus turns up with an alternate message that says that actually agape love means that it's about sacrificially loving other people and desiring to give to other people regardless of what you're getting in return. Jesus' kingdom turns up and it's all based on sacrificial love and it's a completely different way of thinking for us. And so review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable new opportunity. This really significant, valuable reality, the thing that was of most significant value was available. And so if we take all the parables of a whole, Jesus has been clear, the kingdom of darkness is at work every day trying to kill and hinder any fruit of the kingdom of heaven being formed in your life. And this is why in this parable, Jesus paints the clear picture of simply this, wake up, wake up and realize what is, the most, what is of most significance. Wake up and realize the abundant and over and above value of what the kingdom of heaven has for you. And so while you're faced with the choices of every, every day, some of them, the things, the choices that society gives us will come easier. And it's like, wake up, choose life for yourself. It might feel like sometimes you're having to go against the flow and it feels hard, but it's see the significant value that this has for you. It's wake up in these moments. This is why Paul would simply say this, just before we move on to our final point in Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I make you in Christ. Listen, Paul isn't just saying here about just knowing it almost like in a knowledgeable sort of way. It's sometimes what we can almost reduce our Christianity to as well, where we just want to just gain the head knowledge. When you really know someone, it means that you've experienced it fully. This is why everything else in terms of knowing fully and experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, it is garbage in comparison to knowing Christ and knowing his kingdom. This is why Jesus lifts the attention and says, this is of utmost importance. And yet, what he goes on to say next is that with that, there's a choice. Five minutes, and then we're going to pray and worship together. While it's one thing to discover, Jesus paints a picture of what it was to engage with the kingdom. He paints a picture of two scenarios. So here we see on the screen. So he talks about a guy that finds a hidden treasure. He buries it in the field. And then it says this, that he sells everything that he owned and goes and buys the field. The treasure itself, so he wasn't paying for the treasure. The treasure was free. It's almost like it's, it's a picture of God's grace and salvation for it. It's a free gift for us. But yet there's a cost that comes with it. He sells everything he owns and goes and buys the field. The person, the merchant who finds the pearl, listen to what it says as well, sold everything he owned. Jesus, Jesus isn't like holding back in this. Jesus doesn't give an example. So for some people, it can mean selling everything and then in the second scenario saying, but for this person, he was able to get it by only selling half the stuff. And both of these, what Jesus is making clear, to fully choose and to live into the kingdom of heaven means that we give everything of ourselves. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that our bodies almost become like living sacrifices. We give everything of ourselves to experience everything of the fullness of the kingdom of heaven because God is already giving, given everything of himself to us. 
And so to fully experience everything that God has fully given to us, we in return now to be willing to abandon everything, to seek first the kingdom of God. If you don't have the mindset that you're willing to let go of everything, what so easily happens is that you hold on to some things and you start to go towards it, but you never get to experience the fullness of this because you're still holding on to something in this life. You're still holding on to something of another kingdom rather than stepping fully into the fullness of the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's of utmost importance. Get rid of everything else. Paul says, all of this is garbage in comparison to this. So it's let go of this. Give up everything. Sell everything that you have to experience this going after it in your life. This is the mindset for all of us this morning. We need to understand is that this is where the Holy Spirit would say to us day and daily, examine your heart. See what is it that you're still holding on to. And do you know what? One of the things, because we're going to pray into this at the end, one of the things that you need to be clear on, there's stuff that you've let go of in your life. And what sometimes people say is, oh, I've already, I've already sacrificed it all for Jesus. And yet the sacrifice for you needs to not be that one-time moment that needs to be a daily thing. Because what sometimes happens is that the moment maybe when you first come to know the Lord... The sacrifice that was a cost for you at that stage is no longer a cost anymore, but suddenly something else is. Something else suddenly is of significant value for you and suddenly has become the new cost and suddenly has become the new thing that you now need to sell today in this moment because something else is starting to take the place of your heart. Something else is starting to be the thing that becomes the first thing rather than the first thing, which is the kingdom of God. And this is why Jesus today says, what is it? that we almost need to sell all that we have. Jesus says to obtain the kingdom, we have to be willing to lay down everything. The reality is, we don't always necessarily like that. I, I, one, of my, one of my favorite programs growing up was Only Fools and Horses. And um, we, we all loved, because we probably you could, you could identify with so much of some of the things in their lives, but you, just, you were rooting for them, you were rooting for the underdog. And then there came this moment where Del Boy and Rodney, they, they find a watch which apparently they think is a Victorian egg timer. And so they, they just think it's garbage. But I think it was, was it the father-in-law, Rodney's father-in-law comes around and sees it. They bring it to auction. And in this moment, this is where Del Boy's passing out because they've just been told, I think at this stage, they've only been told it's worth like 300,000 and he's fainting. And then in the next one, it sells for 4 million and Rodney faints at this point. And the reality is, there's part of us, like I remember watching this, and like there's a part of it that's like standing up, it's like Man United winning a trophy, like you're cheering for them, right? You're, you're championing them on. There's a part of us because you've journeyed with the whole um, character development, that's it. But yet there's a part of us that identifies with it because there's a part of us that actually would love that for herself. There's a part of us that loves the thought and the reality and even the, the thought of having something of that worth that doesn't actually cost us anything to experience. That's why people get caught with things like the lottery and things like that as well, because it seems like a minimal cost to experience something massive in return. And yet Jesus says, actually, to experience the fullness of what God has, there is a cost that comes with it. Part of us would rather have this mindset. We can experience something really good, not have to lay down anything for it. And yet what Jesus says, if you want to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God, you've got to sell everything that we have. Brian Sand says, that's what I've learned through bitter experience, is that a lot of people don't want the game changed. They want to win the game, not change the game. 
but I've learned through bitter experiences that a lot of people don't want the game change. It's just like, I want, I want to get into heaven. I want to experience everything to God, but I don't want to have to change anything. I just want to get on with my life, and I just want to just do the things that I like to do. What I've learned through bitter experiences is that a lot of people don't want the game changed. They want to win the game, not change the game. Jesus says it's completely different. So one final story. Matthew 19, a few chapters later. Sorry again for the small writing. We're told this story of a rich young ruler. Let's read it together. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So he said, how to experience the kingdom of heaven. And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Can I just pause it there? Because... What I would love us to do here in a couple of minutes, I would love us actually to ask a question. And do you know what? This is a really scary question to ask. I don't think this guy actually realized what he was asking Jesus because what he didn't realize was that Jesus was about to look into his heart. He's asking Jesus, what one thing do I still lack? It's like he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want everything of the kingdom and so of I've ticked this box, and I've ticked this box, and I've ticked this box. I haven't murdered, and I haven't, I've done these things. He says, so what else? I think he almost said it in a cocky way. It's like, what else do I like? And Jesus looks into his heart. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And so, in a minute or two, when we ask that question, what one thing do I still lack? I wonder what would be the thing that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. And the thing that's really clear is that day and daily, this is why it's important as we seek first the kingdom of God, that this is our mindset almost every day. It's like, God, is there anything lacking in my life? Is there anything lacking in my devotion to you? Is there anything that is holding me back? But yet the reality is, is that when we hear Jesus and what he, if we're prepared to hear what Jesus would speak into this, we have an option. We can maybe respond like this young man and almost be sorrowful. It's almost like it's too great a cost. Or we can lay down everything to experience the hidden treasure, to experience the pearl of great worth. I read this, I was just reading through Luke's gospel myself, and the other day I read this verse, and it just really just stands out, and I just wanted to read it again this morning. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, if all of us, and this, this is me speaking to myself as well, we can just go through the motions. We know the right things to say, and we know the right things to do. We can play at church. We can get around and do all the different things. But yet God looks into our heart. And if we're going to be a people that truly want to seek first the kingdom of heaven, that actually place it of such significant value that we see it almost like those things, the pearl of the hidden treasure, then the reality is we need to have our hearts ready to respond to whatever the Lord would say. We need to be a people that would be obedient to follow his ways. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And so we need to remember 
two kingdoms that are at work. Lee and the guys maybe just want to come up uh, and we'll lead into some worship here at the end. Two kingdoms that are at work. There's a kingdom of heaven and there's a kingdom of darkness. There's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of Satan. And yet the overarching thing that is above it all, and this is, this is why I love the passage in Philippians 2. It says, Christ, though that he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to, to cling or to hold on to. But it says that he humbled himself and took on the form of flesh, took on the form of humanity, and became obedient unto the point of death. And it says, therefore, God has elevated or raised him to the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every name might bow, and every tongue might confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And this is why, above this all, over both the kingdoms, this is the thing that's crucial for us to grasp this morning. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so, as a response this morning, I would love you to close your eyes just a second. We're all going to respond in different ways to this. We've still got about 10 odd minutes left this morning. I recognize that there's a room full mainly of people who are already in relationship with Jesus, but I want to give a brief opportunity this morning before we start into a response for everyone. And, and in this, if, if you have never made a decision for Christ, if you've never made a decision to accept Jesus into your life, and there's a reality this morning that actually as, as Jesus lifts the lid on the kingdoms, the two kingdoms that are at work, and Jesus lifts the lid on actually where your position right now. If this morning you, you would just love, because maybe this has been in your heart this morning, you would love that today could be the first time that you make a decision that says, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to give my all to you. And, and, you, and Jesus, I invite you to be part of my life. And you're asking Jesus to come and save and to redeem and to reconcile you. This morning, I would just love if that's you. We'd love to get a chance to pray with you at the end. And if, if that is you, I would just love for you to just, all eyes are closed at this point. I would just love for you to just raise your hand to me this morning. This is of most significant value. There is nothing greater than the kingdom of God. And for all of us, let's continue to keep our eyes closed this morning because what we're going to do now, we're going to just allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and our minds. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you to come in your gentle way and to search our, our souls. Let me ask this first question. If the Lord was to look into your soul today, what would he see? 
I don't ask that in a judging way or a condemning way at all. I just simply ask us, if the Lord was to look into your soul today, what would he see? Perhaps for some people in the room this morning, what he sees firstly is a troubled soul. He sees an anxious soul. He sees turmoil. And yet what he desires for you this morning is peace and fullness and life. God desires for you is good. What God desires for you is joy. What God desires for you this morning is life in the fullest way possible. We're not going to ask anyone to stand for this because we don't want to. If you sense this morning that, before we move on to the next part, if, if you sense this morning that as you look into your own soul and you invite the Spirit to search and examine your heart this morning, if you sense that there's, there's something of turmoil or of anxiety, a lack of peace, a lack of joy, what I would love you to do this morning, if you could just place your hand on your heart, just where you're at, no one needs to see this. I would just love just to pray this morning. I would just love to pray this morning. Jesus, thank you that you desire fullness of life for us. You desire life in the fullest way possible. Thank you it's a result of living into your kingdom. And God, we just pray a release this morning of peace. God, over every heart, God, every soul, God, this morning in this room, God, particularly over the people, God, who are responding in this way, we pray a release, God, of abundant peace and joy and love this morning. God, we pray that the fruit of the Spirit, God, would grow and grow. God, would be released in abundance, God, Lord, upon every life and every heart. And God, I just pray, Lord, that even as we now press in, God, just to look and examine our hearts, God, to see those things. God, we just pray, God, Lord, that even into these lives, God, if there are things that are a root cause of it this morning, God, things that are our cause, God, that have led to the, to the peace, God, being stolen, God, or to the anxious thought being deposited. God, we just want to speak to it this morning, God, and we just speak the words of Jesus. Peace be still. And yet, Jesus, why we recognize you as Lord, we recognize that with that, it brings a response. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I tell you to do? We hear your words this morning, Jesus. And so what I would love us all to do continues with our eyes closed, just final thing, and then we're just going to just finish with worship. I would just love for us to ask that one question that that rich young ruler asked. 
It might be one, it might be more. But I would just love you to ask, allow allow the Holy Spirit just to search into your heart deeply and ask this one question, what is the one thing, what is the one thing that I still lack? What's the one thing that you're still holding on to? It might be a prevalent thing. Listen, it might be something massive. It might be an area of addiction or a hold in your life that we want to pray a break and release from this morning. But it might be something really simple. It might be something that's actually it's a good thing, but it's just taking the place of, of God in your life. And it's become that one thing instead of Jesus. Just speak, Holy Spirit, we pray. Speak, Holy Spirit, we pray. Examine our hearts, God. God, as you speak right now, we just ask, would you give us your, God, give us your boldness. God, give us a release, God, of strength and courage this morning, God. God, I pray, Lord, for supernatural wisdom to be released in the room. God, I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of some difficult decisions, God, because some of the things that you're speaking about this morning require some significant changes. And God, sometimes it's the, it's the, maybe the not knowing of where to start, order of how to begin. And yet, Jesus, what you ask us to do is just to simply follow you and to just journey this a step at a time. So, God, I just pray a release of wisdom, God, in the room this morning. God, I pray a release of faith. God, I pray that faith would increase in the room this morning. Jesus, we turn our eyes towards you. What I would just love, just as we finish, if you just sense this morning that maybe you just recognize you in that one thing of there's certain things in your life. And again, these are not all bad things, but if this morning you just love for this to be a moment, even before we all stand to worship, of standing and saying, Jesus, this morning I said that I'm placing my significant value on you and your kingdom. If you feel that's you, I would just love you to stand with me this morning. I'm standing. I just want to stand and say, Jesus, I want you to be a king of my life. I want you to take the first place in my life afresh today. If that's you, why don't you stand with me this morning and we'll pray. Jesus, thank you for your promise that as we seek first your kingdom and its righteousness, God, that all other things would be added on to us. God, the reason this morning we stand, God, is because we just want to say afresh, God, Lord, that it is a desire of our heart, God, that all other things would be secondary. All other things, God, would be considered almost like garbage in comparison to you and your kingdom. And God, this morning we commit ourselves afresh to you and your way. 
We thank you, Jesus, that what you have brought us is life in the greatest and fullest way possible. It is of utmost worth and utmost importance. And so we just say yes to you and your way. We thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you that you've made a way. Jesus, thank you that you have uh, redeemed and restored God and are reconciling all things onto the Father. And Father, thank you for your desire that your kingdom would outwork God and be available to all people. Thank you that it's here, God, for all of us to press into afresh today. And so we just say yes to you. We say yes to your kingdom. We say yes to your love in our lives. We say lead us forward. God, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying to us in our lives. Holy Spirit, we just pray that in those moments where the enemy would come to try and divert us and to take us away from, the, from our eyes and our focus to the attention of our heart being on you, God, would you quicken our hearts and our minds and lead us, we pray. Lead us into all that you have for us. Thank you for the fullness of life that's available. And it's that that we say yes to this morning. God, we just pray, God, Lord, for, uh, God, for people, God, who are just maybe uh, struggling this morning. God, as we've already prayed, God, I just pray a release, God, Lord, of your grace and your love afresh, God, in the room this morning. God, I just pray a release, God, of identity as sons and daughters in the room this morning afresh. And we just come and we worship you right now. We give you what is rightfully yours. Let's, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus this morning. Let's thank him for his love. Let's thank him for his kingdom. The guys are going to lead us and then Tara will close us off in a second. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.